Yo, yo, we're back. Episode nine and off the bench. I'm joined as always with the crew, Randy Jowers, Jim Cross. I am the keeper of the peace, Daniel Ball. We are going to be discussing headlines tonight. We're going to hit all the major sports, uh, talk about some of the hot button topics that are going on and, and each one of those and We'll break down a little Memphis sports action for you, and then we'll end the night around the horn with um, maybe some sports-related topics that we don't get to or your choice. So before we jump into this, Jim, it's a big day for you. Happy birthday, my man. I appreciate it. You, you youngsters don't know what it's like to be over 35 yet. Sorry, right. We got some time to think about it. We'll, we'll be there at some point, but we'll still be prettier than you. Shout out to Mrs. Knight for having youngsters. I know. Hey, you know to be honest, with the way 2020 is going, y'all may not see your birthday if we're just keeping it real. Damn. I Man, did find harsh. out today via text message that if Daniel does die, it will not be from a, a surprise alligator attack in his pool. It will not. It will not. I'm covered. Covered. That's the one thing that I wanted to make sure that I didn't have to deal with. Snakes and frogs, I can deal with those, but I don't know much about wrestling an alligator out of my pool. What's the worst thing you've come across in the pool business? I mean, for me, it's always the giant spiders, but I mean, I've came across copperheads and stuff, so I guess that would be what a lot of people say, but I'm not scared of snakes. It's those big, fat spiders that get me. Mm. Nope, I'm good on all of those things. I'll be working inside the rest of my life. Y'all can call me what y'all want, but I'm on. Even the man's pool's inside. <laughs> inside a screen cage, man. It's all good, though. I, I'm right. just jealous. <laughs> Goals, brother. Goals. I got them. We, we work hard. We play hard. So let's start off the night. Is talking. Jim taking a birthday selfie right now? That's what it looks like. You gotta, yeah. hey, you gotta get your, you, you gotta have the camera above your head. That's what my wife taught me. No. Yeah. If I could change anything about my setup, that's what I would do. I'd have my camera above my head. Mine is. Man, your your setup is so <laughs> legit. I mean, you're glowing tonight, brother. You're glowing. I know. That I got a selfie is, ring. Yeah, that backlight is is hitting hard. I mean, you look you look thirty four and not even thirty five, man. Well, I know who I what I don't look thirty six as the guy that's taking the selfie looks. I know that's right. Where's that's why that? I had to put a hat on so I'd look thirty four though. Where where's that beard brush? It's Ooh. right here, but uh, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I took it down by half before I went to the lake the other day. See, he's trying to look younger. Just I see. Try. It's because he said he had a gray hair. Those were the surface hairs. He cut those out. Yeah, he said, I got I to gotta get those up out of here. All right, Jim, let's start with baseball. We got negotiations are pretty much at a stalemate. Um, the players keep saying no, but according to all reports, the players want to play and just say, tell us when and where, and we'll be there, but yet – Nothing has been approved or even finalized that's even close to anybody lacing up spikes. So 
Uh, where are we at with baseball? What What's going on, man? Well, Rob Manfred said he does not feel confident they will play, and this is coming from a guy who just a week ago said there will definitely be baseball. So clearly if he's saying that, he's thinking otherwise. And then as far as the players are saying, just tell them when and where, from what I understand from the great baseball minds um, that know a lot more than us, that is just basically a you can go ahead and do it and we will file a grievance and probably still not play. So I think that'll take headlines is, yeah, they will play, but that's not actually what that really means. It's just them calling them out, saying, do what you need to do. We'll do what we need to do. And so at this point, when you got the commissioner coming out and saying he doesn't even really think they'll play, I'm listening to the great baseball minds come on the radio and say they don't think so. I'm not feeling too good about it, to be honest. Randy, is I mean, I'm looking at a, a statement from Tony Clark, the executive director of the Players Association. He says the very first thing that his letter says is players want to play. Do you really think players want to play, or are they trying to drag this out as long as they can to just kind of have a, a, a free pass at doing nothing? I do think they want to play, but I think it's posturing on both sides. I think that any time that, especially right now, you know, we went through these strikes before and these negotiations, these labor things, and especially right now during the pandemic when you've had so record unemployment and to watch billionaires and millionaires argue, while I do understand it, I understand you got to fight for your, you know, what you're getting paid to do and it's, you know, supply and demand, everybody's got to make money it's really hard for the people that make your sport because 50% of their revenue is stadium based. I mean, that's a lot. And you're coming off of a year in 2019 where they set a record revenue of 10.7 billion. So the fact that they've failed to get a captive audience engaged, because you got to remember the NFLs, they, they really don't stop their seasons year round. The NBA, they got to have 75% of their season. Major league baseball was just reporting. They were in spring training. So they really missed an opportunity here. To, to capture an audience that had nothing else to watch besides Michael Jordan drinking yak. Right. Hey, but check this, Randy, since you always know your numbers. I thought it was interesting when I saw the exact breakdown. MLG – or MLG – MLB projected they would lose $640,000 per game. But here's the interesting note on the flip side, because you were talking about just over 50%. I mean, if they played an 82-game schedule, for instance, it says they still uh, generate $1.78 billion. Billion with a B again. So yep. play baseball. Play baseball. Well, so I think that's, that's the interesting thing. One more quick thing is that you talk about – I read something the other day that, was, that really summed it up perfect for me. The owners talking about not turning a profit, but yet the Marlins didn't have fans for 15 years, yet they signed the Giancarlo Stanton to the largest contract ever, and they sold the team for a record profit. So that's going to be hard sell to the union as well. Man, it's longer than 15 years, Randy, because in that documentary last night that I know we're going to get to – Look, they said they couldn't sell seats at all in 98 to a Marlins game until McGuire came to town. Oh, yeah, that was before they had the cool fish tank in the back. Sure, I, I've been to many of Marlin games where you could – nobody's sitting in the lower bowl because they don't want to come down on prices and everybody's sitting in the upper deck because that's what is affordable. It's probably even worse now. But, Randy, being, being a numbers guy, how do these guys make money if they're not on the field playing? Like, they're rejecting all of these 
proposals to for them to make money but eventually wouldn't you think they would have to settle on something to get paid or is that not how contracts work they can oh. get paid without playing no i think that you're gonna what you're seeing is the guys that you know that don't need that your bryce harpers and your mike trouts and you know some of the big names they don't they can survive without it but what about the minor league guys? What about your double-A and triple-A guys that are still part of Major League Baseball just at a lower level? Or even the guys that are sitting at the end of the bench that get a call-up? Those are the guys that are probably in the background saying, hey, shit, I'm ready to play a little ball. Well, even, even further, I mean, they just had a draft. We got new players that are projected to, you know, live their dream and get their chance to play. And now they're being told they're not going to be able to do anything. They're not going to be able to play for anybody they're not going to go to college and they're not they're just going to be sitting around working out on their own like to me like as a a guy who played baseball and the dream of of making you know a pro baseball team and then not having the chance to work out like when that happens like that kind of sucks yeah you're the one of the three of us that would know better than anybody so db if this was back when you know way back in the day when you were playing and say you know you're you get drafted to play even single A, and you finally get your shot, and then this happens. How you feeling? I'm devastated, man. I, I mean, it's a lot of hard work, and, you know, you want to continue your streak of, like, proving yourself and doing what you need to do, but then there's no, there's no way to do that right now. Nobody's practicing. Nobody's allowing you to work out. And as a new guy coming in, like, it's not like you have a network of people that you played with and you guys can like meet up and go like keep everybody fresh and, and, and rolling. You're having to just kind of do it on your own, which I mean, it's probably a little bit easier for those college guys that are high level players that can go back to their schools and, and get workouts in. But I think about those high school guys that what are they doing Yeah, going back to their high school and, not getting any better like that's that's what sucks and Jim you you know a couple guys that just got drafted and and picked up um what are they feeling like right now I mean it's definitely if you look at the guys that you're talking about I talked to them tonight and you look at a blaze Jordan this is a guy who reclassified and skipped his junior year and so was expecting to get as much baseball in as he could in his senior year obviously doesn't get that much in. And then you would say, well, it's easy to just go to the Red Sox when he got drafted in the third round. But it's tough because, hey, I didn't really get to play much baseball. Hey, I'm 17 years old. Is this what I really want to do? And then you see everything that's going on. Um, And I firmly believe that had a big role in Kate Smith's decision as he was trying to decide between going in the fifth round or going to Mississippi State. And I think it made it easy for him because he was kind of on the fence already. So he's going to take the opportunity, and since it, you know you know more about baseball than me, you told me yourself you thought it'd be good for the kid because the competition level in the SEC will only make him better. So I mean, if I'm these kids and you're on the fence about going pro or going college, I think you absolutely go college if you miss the mass majority of your senior year. You need to get um, those reps in. You need to get better, and it's hard to ask a young kid um, to walk on that stage when it just hasn't got the repetitions that they need. Well, I think what sucks for him is is he's going to go to Mississippi State. Let's say they don't have a season this coming up season. 
now he's torn between entering the draft again or probably more than likely having to go back to school for a second year when he could assign for 400,000. I'm just, just guessing. So like that's plus, and then on top of that, that's two years of nothing. Right. So it's, it's, it's definitely a risk and a gamble, but I think it's for him right now. I don't think you look at it as far as, we're not going to play this season. I think you just got to kind of roll the dice and say, hey, things are going to get better. We're going to go back to normal and we'll get a season in. And I'm an advocate of college baseball, especially at that level. And the SEC, the guy's going to get, I mean, day in, day out, the best of the best. So, Yeah, and one of the interesting um, things about baseball draft versus the uh, – the other sports is, you know, talking to both these guys and knowing that they talk to multiple different organizations on the phone. And it's not like the NFL where they're if they want you, they'll pick you kind of thing. They're going to talk it out and see if they can come in agreements with the money or see if honestly they even want to play there because these kids do have the option to say, Hey, I'll just go to college because I don't want to go to Toronto because it's cold as fuck, you know, whatever the reason may be, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So switching gears a little bit, we had a, a documentary last night, The Long Gone Summer, uh, between uh, the home run race um, to 62 between Sosa and McGuire. Um, I had a chance to watch probably 75% of it tonight. I know you guys have watched it, and one of you is – in favor of it, the other is not. Randy, I'll start with you. What did you think about about that documentary, the 30 for 30 last night? So I'm gonna preface it by saying this, that like that home run race saved baseball to me. I mean, it was, you know, we'd coming off the strike a couple of years, it was just kind of pitter pattern around, that saved it. But that documentary sucked for what it could have been. I don't mean like it was great reliving the days and, and we all remember, you know, we were in high school then, uh, you know, it was great. It was, it captured the entire world of not just baseball. It made every major news outlet was sending people to the stadiums to see this. They were selling out the Marlin stadium for God's sakes. So it was great. But what we didn't see last night was really anything new. Like, when we watched the Michael Jordan documentary, well, I say the Jordan documentary, you know, it really was the last dance. They really dove in. They had Michael Jordan sitting there drinking his yak, looking at iPads, laughing at these fools talking shit. But Mark McGuire was the same as he's always been. He didn't give up anything. He didn't go into depth. Sammy Sosa didn't like, why don't we talk about the fact that Sammy Sosa is still banned from Wrigley field? Let's get real. Let's get in depth. Let's get, let's get to it. Let's talk about why you did steroids, what that shit meant to you. Let's talk about, let's do some snitching. Let's talk. Let's, let's get it out there. This is entertainment. And it's, this is my main gripe coming off of the last dance coming off of, uh, you know, this, uh, the water documentary, Lance. even Lance Armstrong, his was better. This one just didn't live up to the hype, in, in my opinion. Jim, I know that you're on the other, other side of the fence of this. You thought it was a, a phenomenal documentary. Tell us why. Well, let me first uh, say that tying into the last dancing, a reminder for me, because we are talking about 22 years ago, even though it felt kind of just like yesterday. 
How about the city of Chicago getting that last dance run in 98 and then getting the Sammy Sosa race, Kerry Wood 20 strikeouts and go into the postseason when they had been mediocre at best. So uh, city of Chicago really got it that year. But I loved all sorts of things. Let's start with Mark McGuire's mullet and showing those days back in Oakland. I know Randy appreciates a good haircut. That thing was sweet. You agree? I do agree with that. <laughs> he must have he must have been on coronavirus back then. I mean, that dude wasn't cutting his hair for nothing. It looked terrible. But, but there were some things like uh, they had the pitcher who I wouldn't even know who he was, but Traskell who pitched him the pitch that he hit his 60-second home run on and had him say that, you know, he was going to go at him that day. He was going to try to shut him down and make him go 0 for 4. And so I admire being able to hear these pitchers saying they weren't going to just walk him and try to duck, letting him break the record. Um, just a reminder of Sosa, 20 home runs in June. Just a little clip to Griffey, the king of swing, just drop, dropping that bat like a G. Um, a lot of different things. Even hearing guys like uh, TJ Quinn talk about you know, it was funny in St. Louis, and this drives me nuts the current day. I've told you about this, Daniel. You'll be at a game, and it's the clearest day, like, pop-up, right? And all these fans stand up as a home run. But with McGuire, you had to do that, right? Because it was just you were, you were there, and you were so excited that you thought everything was going to be a home run. So even if the dude just hit a routine fly, like, everybody stood up and cheered insanely. And so just hearing different, different stories from different people were part of it. They had the guy who uh, was on the ball crew that went and found that ball, you know, what was it, uh, uh, the guy paid $2.7 million and he got a million initially just for getting the ball. So those are things that I had forgotten. Yeah, I, I thought it was slow to start. I will say just being a baseball guy, I liked it. Um, I thought it was slow to start. I think, like Randy said, there's probably some controversial things that they could have jumped more into and dug a little bit deeper. Um, I think they could have gave it more justice by making it more, making it longer. Um, but one of my, my, what I, I guess, I don't want to take anything away from these guys because when I was a kid watching this, I had the privilege of going and seeing McGuire play and he hit a home run in, that year. Um, in one of the games that I was there watching them play the Reds. And it was crazy to me how hard these guys hit baseballs with wooden bats. And I've been to a lot of games since then, and I still remember those, those games that I went to that season that balls are just jumping off bats. And I'm not saying that steroids was the, the thing, but what I will say is that these guys are saying they took Andro and creatine, which was over-the-counter and legal, but then all of a sudden was banned and illegal. Um, I'll ask you, Jim, is, is that a believable story? Were these guys just on Andro and creatine, or are they all juiced up? I believe they're all juiced up. But, you know, I've learned enough things just from not playing baseball, but talking to people who have. And, you know, first of all, those guys, before they were possibly juicing like that, were still phenomenal baseball players. It just gave them another edge. It didn't make them phenomenal baseball players. But I think they knew, that, knew what they were doing. Similar to the Lance Armstrong thing, you know, a lot of guys started doing it. And, you know, Frank Thomas was my favorite baseball player at the time. And I remember watching his documentary, and he said, man, 
he's like the only one in the weight room. And the next thing you know, all these dudes are in there slinging around weight out of nowhere. That didn't come from just taking creatine. creatine. You know, they were, they were taking juice. They knew what they're doing. Randy, do you think Griffey was on the sauce or do you think he was just a really good player in a, in a bad era to play in? First of all, it's a great era to play in. Bring back the roids, baby. I want to see some 600-foot bombs. I don't want just juice balls. I want juice bodies. Let's go. But, no, how dare you even ask that question? King Griffey Jr. would never. He was a free – look, and he did it so effortlessly too. The dude – I mean, no. Because if he was on some HGH or some of that stuff, maybe he wouldn't have got injured so much. You know, he could have recovered faster. But, no, I don't think Griffey was on it. True. I, I will say I find it I, – I find it really strange, the layout of these documentaries, how they went from Lance um, talking about steroids and – then right into this one. Um, I don't know if they were trying to like make us believe or think a certain way, but I know that the only player that I could think of in that era that probably didn't do steroids was, was Traxel <laughs> because he didn't <laughs> look like it. Um, but speaking of, of pitchers, I will say the pitchers are morons in that – Every, I would say 90% of the balls that they showed those guys hitting home runs on were like pitches that were right down the dick, pitches that my daughter could hit and in terrible counts, like 3-1 counts where you could just walk the guy and put him on base like Sosa and McGuire aren't going to kill you on the base path. Like I would rather put them on base but you didn't see a lot of that. I think you had this mentality of pitchers that were at, like Traxel said, I was going to, I'm going to get this guy out. Like I'm going to show him. Um, but in reality, I did see a lot of like bad pitches and very bad counts, but maybe that's a, uh, something to, you know, credit McGuire and Sosa with is putting themselves in really good hitting counts, like a three, one count and a two old count, uh, Hey, yeah. I will say this in regards to Griffey. I said this to y'all earlier. I looked at that five-season stretch he had before he got injured. 49, 56, 56, 48, 40. Dude was a model of consistency for smashing home runs. So we'll, Let's not we'll, get it twisted. Ken Griffey Jr. changed the culture of baseball similar to the way that the Fab Five changed it in basketball, in my opinion. I can agree with that. How many – there's not many players that have their own cleats. He or made he wearing the backwards hat like a Frank thing. Thomas did. Yep. Everybody wanted to wear their hat backwards and hit BP. I mean, probably the sweetest swing in the game. Probably the most – I mean, Mike Trout is probably up there, but Griffey is probably like the guy who had – the best of all the tools like he could just do it all um mike trout never hit a home run in the same game that his dad did saying well that, i don't think that's his fault but did king griffey ever smash a golf ball like i've seen mike trout do here recently well, on that i drive? saw cody bellinger hit it even further than mike trout 
Oh, I need video. I don't believe that. Bro, th- look it up right now on the Twitter machine. It goes into orbit. <laughs> Check it out. I mean, it's 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 gonna it's gonna break down Twitter. Yeah. Um, before we transition out of baseball, would you do you guys think a documentary on Bonds would be better or as good as this one? I know Randy, you didn't really personally like it, but content-wise, do you think there's enough there on Bonds? Oh, absolutely. Because, look, let me tell you, Bonds, love him or hate him, he would absolutely give you content. Now, unless he's the same guy at the end that didn't want to give interviews and all that other bullshit, but if he was Barry Bonds, the guy that literally thought he was the best player to ever play the game, and he does have an argument to that, yeah, he's giving you all the content. He's Michael Jordan watching the iPad at these pictures like, dude wasn't going to strike me out. (laughs) That's what I would like to see more of is like – and you could do that easily in baseball because it's so like you're not in such close quarters with another player, especially the pitcher and the hitter. Like you could easily get a a, a talk to a pitcher about what he was thinking when he was pitching to a certain hitter and the hitter had no idea that that's even a thought. Um, So, yeah, I I would like to see that. Um, I would also like to see – Barry Bonds' transformation from Pittsburgh to San Francisco. Uh, I'd like His to know hat size went what up. size hat he wore <laughs> in both. Yeah, um, give me the Canseco one. Let's go. That's oh, he one. would give you all the content, but he's a snitch. Yeah, uh, you you people wouldn't know what to believe with him. Um, but I, I mean, now he's challenging slow pitch softball guys to home run derbies. I mean, where where, where are we coming on this? Jim's in on that. Jim's got that. He don't want that smoke. No. Not that Canseco long ball? <laughs> no. He's long. Yeah. So long. <laughs> so long. So, NFL, um, we are quite a bit away, but I think there's some camps that are looking to open, or at least I think they're looking to open. Um but we've had some reports of some guys testing positive for coronavirus um, as of late. Um, Ezekiel Elliott uh, is one that tested positive along with some other guys. Um, I don't know how that comes out or how they find out or if they have to self-report and the media just finds out. But anyhow, like there's guys testing positive and we're not even, we haven't even made it to camp yet. Like are you, Jim, are you worried that this is happening? Is this going to put a a, a monkey wrench in the plans? Yeah, I'm not a fan particularly that it's happening because it does give ammunition for those who are overly concerned about it. But I think we've all agreed all along, though, with the NFL and the money, I think unless it's just you start having bodies dropping over it, they're going to they're going to play, right? It's just a matter of if there's going to be people in the seats or not. Yeah. Um, I'm a little leery. I'll be honest. I think as any organization is going to be on the side of caution when something happens, and it's only going to take a couple where they start doubting the ability to even start back up or if they've already started up to continue. Um, I know money will be a driving factor, but 
I really think and I hope that we get some football, but I, I would very, very I'd be cautiously optimistic about it. Randy, what do you what do you think? These coronavirus outbreaks, are they just spotty and just they were inevitable and they were gonna happen and they'll be on the downside, or do you think this is a, a trend moving forward that's gonna raise some red flags? I think we're gonna have football. The question I mean, then these guys, and by the, by, I'm not an infectious disease doctor before anybody starts questioning this, but these guys are really the least fragile. I mean, they're the ones that even if they do contract it, have the most likelihood of recovering and recovering quickly. They're in tip-top shape. Um, you know, they got the best medical treatment. They got team doctors. And you said it, cash is king. And when these guys go to start talking about the NFL I mean, it's not even just viewership, but the money. It dwarfs all the other sports combined. Like, it's not even a contest. So, if any sport is going to happen, it's going to be the NFL. I, I agree with that. So, we're all in agreement that the NFL will be back in some capacity. I think more. I'm more cautiously optimistic than you guys. But will we see Colin Kaepernick on a team, Jim? Yes, I think the pressure at this point is something that a lot of owners and general managers are going to feel. And honestly, I think it's a complete opposite position of where it was the first time around, right? Nobody wanted to touch him because they were worried about what it might do to their locker room and their fan base, whereas now our country has hit a different situation to where I feel like it possibly could unite uh, fan bases and locker rooms. And let's be honest, I mean, you know, they talked about a little bit today on Golas and Wingo. There are some teams with some really bad backup quarterbacks. And with the way guys get hurt these days, I mean, it's just stupid to not have them there. And I, You know, you heard Pete Carroll come out and say, you know, he'd take them. I think he would be a great backup in Seattle for just an example. Um, I know Baltimore's got RG3, but I think with the system they run, he'd be a fantastic backup for Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, there's teams that could use them. I think locker rooms will welcome them in with open arms now. And so it's really about are they willing to take the risk? But I think the risk is now worth the reward. Randy, Kaepernick's 32. He hasn't played since the 2016 season does he even want to play Ooh, that's a great question I think he does um more so than even wanting to play I think he wants a platform uh and the NFL provides that because I think if we're talking in the in the realm of it if Colin Kaepernick was a baseball player or if he was a basketball player does he even get the kind of exposure he got from kneeling for the racial injustice which looking back on it um, you know, now it's easy, you know, hindsight being 2020, that was that everybody's, well, more people are agreeing with it. But back then, Jim touched on it. It was like the plague. He was blackballed because of his stance on that. And whether or not you agreed uh, with his stance really didn't matter. Nobody was going to touch it. And now it's a race to be woke, right? Whether, you know, everybody wants to be on the side of what's what is perceived as right. So I think he's going to get signed. I don't know if he's a starter, but there are some really shitty backup quarterbacks in the league. There's some really shitty starters, to be fair. And I think that uh, he is capable of playing. Yes. So let me ask you. 
let me ask you guys this. I, I, I personally, I think he, if given the opportunity, the right opportunity under the right people, I think he would come back. Um, I don't think he's just going to come back for any team or any coach. But let me throw a scenario out there to you guys. What if Cam Newton went to New England and Kaepernick came in with him? Would that be a good fit? Yep. So like Jim said, I think that the all, the perfect fit in my mind is the Baltimore Ravens. I think that they – obviously they did pass on him before, but there's a lot of history there, you know, with Harbaugh, you know, Jim – being or John being the coach there, Jim being his coach before, uh, they have a Super Bowl contending team, strong locker room. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, another team that I thought too uh, that kind of stuck out that I haven't heard a lot of people say is the Houston Texans. You know, they've recently have been um, in a lot of the press. You got a, a young uh, African American quarterback in Deshaun Watson. That kind of well, he spoke up about uh, social injustice. So has JJ Watt. Another strong locker room. And uh, lastly, another one that makes sense to me is the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Andy Reid has had polarizing quarterbacks in the past, and uh, it, now they're a Super Bowl contender. They're, they're insulated from a lot of that pressure because Andy got that off his back. And who better than to be behind, not to learn from, but kind of maybe you know, watch him operate as Patrick Mahomes. Because there was a time in the NFL, it's hard to believe now, where Colin Kaepernick was kind of what we thought. He, we thought he was going to be like a Patrick Mahomes. He was taking the league by storm uh, with his legs and his arm. I mean, he led him to the, the 49ers to the Super Bowl really as a young, young man. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with, with both of you guys. I think it's it's really going to come down to the right place with the right coaches. Um, I think it's got to be a, a good situation for everybody and a good place and a good platform um, for them as well. One thing I wanted to bring up to you guys, and we might not be able to dig too deep into it tonight, but at some point on a podcast, we might be able to, to break this down. But I was going through ESPN and came across this article, the best and worst of the past decade in the NFL. Jim, if I was to ask you, who on ESPN do they say is the best team in the past decade? Was the Patriots? Who's the worst? <laughs> I already I saw this part of it. It's the Browns. It is. It is the Browns. <laughs> That's an can easy you, answer. Can you, can you tell me? Um, it, is this decade when they're gonna turn it around? Yeah, it abs it absolutely is. I you know what? I'm a little mad. We're actually doing this segment now. I had my best and worst. Well, who is your who is your best? I mean, well, it, I, I went with I went with instead of specific best teams, I went with the best things that I felt about this decade. I know the first one right off the rip is recent, but I think I'll get an immediate head nod from Randy. And I was going to say the emergence of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid getting that title. Um, that's an easy one. I think when you look at worst, um, easily you can say Pete Carroll not handing the ball to Marshawn Lynch. You could say Antonio Brown being the best wide receiver in football and not playing football. And then, of course, the no P.I. call in the NFC Championship. That's what I got. Well, I thought for worst you were going to go with the, the transformation of 
replay and the overall consistency of referees. Um, I thought for sure that's where you're going, but uh, apparently, apparently not. Um, just, just looking at some of these things, Jim, who do you, who do you think the worst coach of the past decade is? Well, do you want me to say Hugh Jackson since he's the Browns coach and they were the worst team? Is that where you're leading me? Yeah, I'm, I'm leading you right into that because you're the only guy on this podcast that thinks the Browns are worth the shit this year. So That was, that was last year I believed in them, and they failed me. But this year, I mean, they, they're not going to fail me twice. And if they do – See, that's, that's – fool me once, shame on, on, on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, right? Wow. They're not gonna. They're not gonna fool me this year. If we play, they're gonna be in that top seven. And that that podcast that we have immediately after is gonna be. Oh, it's gonna be epic. I'm going to absolutely go insane. Unbelievable. So, Randy, they they had the best free agent signing, Peyton Manning, with the Broncos. Probably can't disagree with that until um, this most recent free agent signing. Um, I think. You guys would agree? Gronk, Not yet. Not yet. Gronk and, and, and Tom Brady? Not yet. They didn't do So you got to remember the, the, the bittersweet moment, right? As a Colts fan, uh, way before Peyton, so like when he left, it was bittersweet. So how often do you go from an iconic generational, once-in-a-generation quarterback like Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck? But then – to watch Peyton go to the Broncos and not – they didn't even know if he'd ever throw a football again because of his neck injury. I mean, there was all these rumors, and there was even some steroid rumors. So, which I wouldn't blame him. You know, Kobe got the little blood spinning thing. I'm down for it, Peyton. Don't, I ain't mad at you. So, he goes over there, and he doesn't just go over there to, like, end his career. Dude goes over there and tosses all the touchdowns, breaks the records, and gets paid and finishes out a legacy, gets another ring. Although when he played his best, they got the shit kicked out of him by Richard Sherman and the Seahawks. I ain't going to lie. That was tough to watch. So when he, when he was signed, he signed for five years, $96 million, and they weren't sure he was going to throw a football again? They're, no, no, no. I think they had, they had their doctors check him out. But, I mean, there was always going to be a risk. Could he be the Peyton Manning that he was when he was in his prime for the Colts. They didn't know that. They were they had to take a risk, but it was worth it. So, no, do you think – let me ask you this question. I'm going to throw it back on you. So, for in order for Tom Brady to be a better free agent signing than Peyton, he would have to go over there and throw 55, 60 touchdowns in his first year over there. You think that's a possibility? I don't think he has to do that. I just think he needs to win a Super Bowl. Okay, so could he win a Super Bowl by being the best player or like Peyton and by just letting his defense carry him? Because that defense ain't carrying shit. The defense ain't carrying him, but he doesn't have to necessarily be the best player. When you say best player, are you talking about the best player on the team or best player in the league? Well, I think that Peyton was the best player. He was the best quarterback in the league that year. But, no, Tom could just be the best player on the team. I don't yeah, even think nah. he's going to be that. Who, who is that? Evans. Well, who's throwing him the damn ball, Randy? Like it's Jameis Winston threw him the damn ball. Tom Brady better get that shit over there. I know this. If he don't throw thirty touchdowns, look, Jim gonna give him Jameis back. Well, Jameis gonna end up starting, so he, hey. he gonna be able to give him back. How's Drew's yeah. thumb, man? Everything good? Yeah, yeah. I saw him rehabbing. He was playing Call of Duty, so. <laughs> Worst, worst free agent signing of the decade, Brock Osweiler to the Texans. 
The best fantasy player. I can't believe they even put this on there. Antonio Brown. You agree with that, Jim? Oh, that's fantasy. without question. I mean, I mean, if you're playing PPR, yeah. Yeah, worst fantasy player, Dougie. Dougie the Martin. muscle hamster, man. The Get muscle hamster. The best offense of the decade, the Patriots. The worst offense, the Jags. Best defense, the Ravens. Worst defense, the Raiders. Yeah, we're we're definitely we're gonna have to we're gonna have to dig into this a little bit because yeah, we got one because I got a moment that I think was the worst for the NFL. Yeah, worst call by the referee. Yes, sir. Scroll, scroll right on past that one. Two officials you know that, stood you know, by as Rams know. defensive back Nikki Roby Coleman slammed in the Saints receiver Tommy Lee Lewis. Y'all realize the Saints would have beat the Patriots, right? I'm no, they would have got – they no, no. I haven't met anybody other no. than you that believe no. that. No, that's because they don't want to listen to you cry. Move on. No, they told me first. No, there's no way that somebody came to you and was like, Jim, you know the Patriots would have lost to the Saints in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they did. Because we've all watched the Saints choke it away, whether it was the refs or whether it was their coverage or Minnesota Miracles or, you know, the Vikings. I mean, if it wouldn't have been for the refs, it would have been the Vikings. So, it, just move on to the next thing. They didn't, they didn't choke when they played the Colts in the Super Bowl, homeboy. That's this, that wasn't this decade, was it? You're going Look, back. Hey, on, You're going out. way back to before on, you wore arm sleeves. Out. Hold on, time out. I'm distracted for a moment. I have a real issue with on the computer Daniel having uh, pictures of Scotty Pippen up while we're trying to talk because I know how he feels about this. <laughs> and he's I got a biggest that, like the biggest smile on his face. I snuck that in there. So moving away from NFL, um, I do want to come back to that on a on a different date because I think we could we could really get into some some specifics on some of those categories. Um, but the NBA, so we broke down the NBA and we were all gung-ho and all happy about getting things started. But now there's these chirpings um, from one or two people who can be nameless, but they are, are saying that they, they don't want to play now. Jim, are, are we are we going to play some basketball this this year? And and is it the timeline that they threw out there, or what's what's going on? I think it gave me a little question at first whether they would, but then when you started comparing the names of those who were chirping versus those who want to play, I don't think it's even debatable because the biggest names want to play, specifically the biggest name in LeBron James. And I believe his name carries weight. Obviously, Chris Paul, the president um, of the Players Association. So, I, I have no doubt that we're going to play. Is there is there a scenario, Randy, where they don't play? Yeah, I think it's a possibility. But I was going to touch on the same thing. When the biggest, when the biggest name in the game and, and LeBron James, if he wants to play. But here's, here's what's going to happen. The way that I think it – could derail is if let's say that all of the Clippers are on board, but like half of the Lakers aren't, you know, it's LeBron, it's Anthony Davis, and it's a bunch of scrubs. Then it's going to be forever tainted. Then we're talking asterisk, right? But I understand Kyrie 
you know, he's coming, he's using his platform to speak out on an issue that he's passionate about. However, I agree too with LeBron and the fact that you can use your platform of playing to further spread your message, which is what he's done forever. He's been highly criticized for it, but I think he has a point. Well, I, I think also too that playing right now, all eyes are going to be on you playing. So what bigger platform could you have if you, if, unless you played, like that's the biggest platform you could possibly ask for. I mean, I, I do I think get, it's ironic. I get the intent, definitely. I do too. Um, but I do think it's ironic that two of the biggest names against playing are guys that won't play no matter what that are out on injury and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and that their own teammates Garrett Temple is speaking out in opposition and you know you got guys Austin Rivers and those guys that that are coming out saying hey look we do want to play we love those guys but we feel like we can use the platform to continue our message and also by earning the money that we can and putting that energy and the money back into the into this cause absolutely I mean there's there's a lot that is at risk um, money-wise and just just by not playing, there's a lot at risk. Um, but obviously, when you think of the other side of the coin, there's a lot to be risk if you do play. Like, you're asking guys to quarantine themselves on a resort area and play amongst each other and hope they don't get sick. But I don't know if if anybody has voted not to do this. So, Jim, you, you got something to add? Yeah, Golick Jr. actually talked about it this morning. And, you know, <clears throat> these guys want to be considered more than just athletes. They want to be considered, um, you know, people who have a voice, you know. And uh, a lot of them would like to have, you know, more than just that athletic status, but to be, you know, heroic role model type deal. And what he brought up was when guys go to fight in war, you know, I've been over in Iraq and know what he's talking about. You go over there and you're to a degree quarantined to your base and where you work and the people that you work with and you go to accomplish your job. And he goes, how is it any different? You don't get to fly your family in. You don't get to hang out with your family. And they're just being asked for three months essentially to go do that, to complete their job, to make, um, their money and to provide that entertainment in which they get paid that money for. So if they want to prove their value, so to speak, then you should be willing to do that. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it with this is that I, I believe they're going to play the biggest names that are healthy want to play in LeBron. And I, told you earlier today I, LeBron doesn't have the time in LA nor does he have the time on, in his career to to not play like this is a good chance for them to win a championship um, so he wants to take full advantage of that I'm sure whether it is considered an asterisk season or not um, moving on to NHL I'll I'll take this one for you fellas because I, I've been reading a little bit and I'll keep it just very generic and brief is that the NHL has slowly been on a trajectory to start 
um, and resume play. Um, they have camp timelines. They have players that are, are back on the ice getting ready to play. They're right now trying to establish two hub cities where half the teams will go to one area and half the teams will go to the other area. They'll finish out the season. They'll do the playoffs and, and move forward. Um, I, I honestly think NHL is going to be the first, first season to start back up. Um, and I'll, I'll be watching just because I, Tampa has a team and they're a pretty good team and I, I want something to watch. So the question about hockey that I had for you, and I'll start with you, Jim, is why is hockey not popular amongst us? Like us three on this podcast, why, why is hockey just not our thing? I think it's actually an easy question. It's specifically where we're from. Hockey's not a, a big deal. Yeah, there was the Memphis River Kings when we were younger and everything, but – we more so, we didn't have it in our schools, right? We didn't grow up playing hockey. And so when you're not around it, you don't see it. It's hard for you to engage with it when you see it on TV, whereas every one of us grew up, if we didn't have a basketball goal in our yard, our neighbor across the street did. You know, you were always slinging the football. You were always throwing the baseball at the, at the local sandlot. So hockey doesn't afford that. Where's an ice rink around here? You know, the only one I remember as a kid was at the Mall of Murder. So, I mean, where are we supposed to play hockey? Well, I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, you could play street hockey. Back in the day, I had the air hockey table. So I was, I was the man on the air hockey table at the skating rink. I didn't want to skate, but I could own that air hockey table. No, I, I just think it's, it's, it takes a lot of athleticism to do what those guys do, and I consider it a, a, a very fun sport to be at and to watch live. Um, it's tough to watch on TV because, like, you don't know a lot of the players, and you have to have a vested interest in the team to get to know the players and, and have somebody to root for. And just knowing the rules and the regulations and, and all the ins and outs, like I'm, I'm a, a rookie when it comes to that. So, But I do like going. I do support the Lightning being the Tampa Bay team. Uh, but still a lot to learn. Hopefully at some point we'll, we'll have a little bit more knowledge on hockey and we can share that with everyone. Hey, Randy, if you, if you had the opportunity, you could only watch one on TV, hockey or soccer, what are you going with? Hockey all day. I want to see some fights. Throw the gloves off, baby. Hey, but in my ever uh, ever waging war on the city of Nashville, uh, I refuse to root for the Predators because I will never root for anything from the 615. There you just, go. There just you wanted go. to throw that out there. So I might be a Tampa Bay Lightning fan just because. Come on. We'll, we'll take all the fans. Take all the fans we can get. Who's, who's the best team so I can know who I'd root for? Well, first of all, you got to find the most controversial player. That is who you're rooting for. Daniel, where are you at on this? I need to know. You I need know to know. I'm going to find my favorite player like Daniel's finding his favorite NBA player. I'm, I'll be hey, we got to get to that. Player. I, I'm I'm so nervous. I, I'm like I'm sweating thinking about the end of this show and who the favorite player is going to be. And if it doesn't go my way, I'm I'm hanging up immediately. There'll be no sign off. <laughs> ah, 
What if it doesn't go either one of your ways? What if I just choose somebody that is completely off? Well, then the it'll depend on who it is. I mean, Scotty Pippen. That's, that's it. He's long. He's Look long. at the Tampa Bay Lightning right there in the two seed. Yeah, I mean, one thing hockey does differently is they don't base they don't base their it's a lot on win and loss, but they get points. So it's total number of points that you get. And don't ask me how you earn points. Um, but yeah, it looks like the Bruins and the Lightning are the top two teams in the Atlantic and then the Metropolitan, you got the Capitals and you got the Flyers, which I would say for the most part, like you got St. Louis and Colorado in the central, you got the Knights and the Oilers in the Pacific. I would say, you know, most, most of those teams have been pretty, pretty up there over the past few seasons. Um, I know the lightning last year were the best team in hockey uh, and ended up having the one seed and got demolished by the the worst team that made it in the playoffs, the Columbus Blue Jackets. So it just goes to show you, you could be the best all season and have all the odds and the highest favorite to win it all. But if you don't bring it, you're going to get smoked. And that's exactly what happened. They got into a nightmare of a matchup. They weren't ready to play and Columbus put it on them. All right, so check it out, guys. I looked it up, and then I was looking at those standings, and they do actually uh, project whatever team you just had at the top there. I did the quick math on it. So, yeah, if you win a game straight up in regulation, you get two points. If you go to overtime, you get one point, win or lose. If you tie, you get one point. And so I did that, and sure enough, with their home and away record, totaled it real quick, they would, in fact, be the 100 points. So I got this now. And give me the St. Louis Blues. I saw them at the bottom lead. Me too. Conference. Me too, dog. Blues. Shout out to the Blues. I tell you what, I've been up there when they're having a game, and St. Louis, they are big fans. They come out in droves. Yeah, I was told that in regards to when you're up there at uh, Fox Sports Midwest Live. I know you've been there a bunch too, Randy. Yeah. Um, I've, been, I've been there, and for the baseball games, they say it's bigger for the hockey because most people actually go into the baseball games, whereas the hockey doesn't hold the same and yeah so they said more people go there and they said the party's insane oh it's insane it's like texas live it's crazy yeah when we went to the cotton bowl like texas live was the spot it was awesome like That's i could i could see was. i tagged tag y'all in today was wrong yeah yeah i've been there it's it's an awesome place everything's bigger in texas before we, we go bigger and longer that's right before we move on to memphis sports I will say that in Tampa Bay, the Lightning is is by far the best ticket that you can buy. Um, if you want affordable, if you want a good time, you want family friendly, you name it, like the Lightning, it's it's the the best ticket you can buy in Tampa, and that's even saying something. With Tom Brady being a buck now, I would still it, going to a Lightning game is way more fun. Is, is the experience better than being at a Rays game and having this guy run up and down the stairs cheering for 10 strikeouts so he can get free pizza? <laughs> no. And you know what? It's not better than catching a foul ball and giving it to a kid and making their night. Um, by the way, Randy, I did both of that for Jim's kid. So Hey, yeah, hey, look, you're a role model. My daughter, 
You've always been a role model, DB. Shout out yeah. to Miss Knight for instilling Mrs. those Knight. values. Early, early in the game. Early. All right, Memphis sports. I think we can all, all breathe a, a breath of fresh air because we're away from hockey and more into a comfort zone with um, – with our Tigers, our Redbirds, and our Grizzlies. Let's start with the Tigers. Let's, let's talk a little football. He picked up a home-and-home home in 28 and 29 with Mississippi State. And I, I'm questioning, is, is that – do they play them any earlier than that? 2021, 2022, anything like that? Or is 28, 29 when we're playing those guys, Jim? Well, I'm going to need Randy. Since you live in Mississippi. Well, when I looked it up, when I looked it up, it still shows them on Mississippi State's 2021 schedule. So, I don't know. I've I've been so confused over everything. I mean, Randy runs the damn Liberty Bowl. Ask him. Yeah, look, I thought that they had moved the the home and home to 28-29. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to bow out of the argument. I don't know. I hope that it's 21-22. I want to say, look, last time I remember Mississippi State being here, Jackie Sherrill and Tommy West almost got to fisticuffs. Ooh. Dude, I got it right here. It's still set. I went to it because I saw it earlier on Mississippi State, on Memphis's. It has them Saturday, September 18th, 2021. They are hosting Mississippi State. So, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we're still we're still a year a year away from that. I mean, a lot of things could happen between now and then. Is is playing Mississippi State a step in the right direction, or are there other teams that we we could have fared better with? I think it's excellent. I mean, coming off your series with Ole Miss, I think it gives you another chance to match up with an SEC team. But like we discussed earlier, if you continue to have success against those teams. I think it's going to make them not schedule you. That's the issue, right? So, like, you want them to go well. You want them to be a competitive series. But if they favor Memphis, I think these SEC teams will start ducking them unless they get into a Power Five conference, which we don't know if that will happen anytime soon. I mean, just ask Tennessee. (laughs) Am Am I right, Randy? Listen, man, go Tigers. You're it's separate. No, no, no argument at all. No, nothing. Like, not even gonna, gonna. Well, I mean, you, you know, we got to go back to the history. You act like it was Tennessee that just wanted out. I mean, you really can blame John Calipari for football getting canceled because he didn't want to play him in basketball because he his famous line was, "We have nothing to gain from that." So then, not just Tennessee, but other schools were like, "Okay, well, then you don't have nothing to gain from that." Because let's be honest. Who has more to gain from a home-and-home between Tennessee and Memphis in football? Memphis does. Let's just be real about it. But John Calipari wasn't wrong when he said what he said. Who had more to gain? Tennessee did. It's a lose-lose proposition for the the bigger team. All I know is fuck Rick Barnes. That's that's uh, a classy man like that, DB. I can't I can't believe him, man. So so moving to Tiger basketball. All right, big. Big loss. Mike Miller is is leaving for what is said to be known as him focusing on his family. Okay, I, I can I can get that. What I don't want to see is Mike Miller sign a contract as a coach for any kind of developmental NBA team or any other kind of college. His ass better be with his kids twenty four seven. Jim, 
what is is the loss of Mike Miller a big deal, or can we replace him? Um, what what does this do for the program right now? I mean, it hurts. Let's be honest. Uh, aside from the fact that he knows how to talk to these young kids, and Mike Miller got a swagger about him, he's got rings. He's got he's got experience, and that matters to these kids because you walk into their living room and you start flashing the hardware. You talk about what it's like um, to have developed, you know, he, he did what he did at Florida. So he knows what it's like to um, be on the stage in college and then earn his way up to the NBA. And so I, th I think it hurts tremendously. Yeah. You can bring somebody in who maybe I think on a Memphis level can help you recruiting wise, which I think is a lot of the names that are being thrown around, but on a national level, I just don't see how you can bring it in. And as far as where he's going, I will say this, try not to lose too much sleep, but it isn't just uh, spending all the time with his family. I hear he's going to be in a front office gig. Well, if, if that's the case, I'm going to be highly disappointed. Not because he's taking another job, but just come out and say it. Like, I want to pursue the NBA route. I can respect that more than saying you want to spend time with your with your family and then turn around and take another job that's going to pull you away from your family. Randy um, probably plays golf with him. He probably got the whole intel. Yeah, tell me, talk to me about old Mikey Miller. What? Guys, what's there's, the a lot. there's a lot I can't say. I'm just going to be honest. But no, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind this back for a second. Something we didn't really hit on. Uh, a lot of people, you know, been laid off during this whole Corona thing, record highs and everything. How about the fact that Ryan Silverfield, just since June 8th, has got six commits, no days off for Ryan Silverfield and his staff. And the Memphis Tigers, the football Tigers, are ranked 45th in recruiting, which when you compare that to, uh, you know, Alabama, doesn't seem like anything, right? But that's huge. That's something that Mike Norvell and Justin Fuente and all those guys struggled to do. So I'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention that. On to Mike Miller. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors, right? Um, so there were some rumors that he was going to be uh, part of the Pistons, and then there were some rumors that he was going to be for LSU, which I think that would be suicide, right? I think Will Wade, the hammer, is going to drop. So I think to take another job down there would not be a smart move right now. Uh, it's going to hurt tremendously. And, and I, what, by I say that, it's going to hurt in a lot of ways. First of all, the swag, like Jim mentioned, the dressing on the side. Him and Penny, the two freshest coaches in, in the country, without a doubt. Uh, the guy, he's got two rings, tons of NBA experience. Constantly got LeBron and those guys giving him shouts out on Twitter. So that's how he got these guys. A lot of the guys, a lot of the best players on this Tigers team right now, their main recruiter was Mike Miller. And then let's not forget the basketball experience. You got – you're losing – 20-plus years of basketball experience. Now, I'm, Penny's got all that, too. But Mike, man, he's he's a journeyman to the game, and it's going to hurt tremendously. I do think he's taking time off this season to be with his son. His son's a senior, I think, this year. So, going to follow that through. I think it's young Mason Miller. He's a stud. But now the question is, is Mason going to go to Memphis? Because, I mean, we, we thought, hey, that's a done deal, right? We'll know more. Well, Speaking of recruits, Musa Sise reclassifies. He said that he was going to push back his his um, declaration of where he's going, and all signs pointed to LSU for a while, and now they're saying that Memphis is back in. Um, 
Randy, do do you think Musa ends up a Tiger at Memphis or a Tiger at LSU? Who's got the bag? Now, I think that um, man, it's gonna be. I think I still think he's gonna go to LSU, but I don't. I think that these kids want their moment. So if everybody thinks he's gonna go to LSU, and nobody, you know, tunes in to his putting all the hats on the table, then he loses a little bit of uh, that pop. But there has been some guys this week, current Tiger players, calling them teammates. So, hey, go Tigers. Hey, I would I would love to see him suit up for Memphis. I, I don't know what this um, outside board is going to give us as far as a penalty, but uh, it's probably not going to be good. But, I mean, I, I don't see how he ends up being a Tiger. I would love for him to be one. But if it's between Memphis and LSU, I guess you, you have just as good of odds playing for Memphis as you do LSU with this whole um, scandals and shit going on. But who, Jim, who can we get to replace Mike Miller? Because you got to have somebody. And it's got to be a guy that, that can either – give you some inside X's and O's, or it's got to be a guy that can recruit the shit out of players. Man, I hate to let Randy look like the smart one, but I know his name, and they've been saying it all week, and he knows it. So I'm deferring so he can answer the question for me. Free Trey Draper. Trey that's, Draper. That's the Bro, guy, former man. Former Tiger. Former Tiger, excellent recruiter, running things down IMG, bringing back to Memphis. He's got Ja Morant on, uh, you know, going for him. He's rooting for him. I'm rooting for him. Bring back Trey. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I mean, you guys have never been down here to IMG, but it's in the middle of nowhere and the facilities are top notch and amazing. But if you can get someone from wherever they're at to come down to IMG Academy and Sarasota, Bradenton, Florida, you're doing something. So I'm I'm all for Trey Draper to have a chance to to come on staff now. Randy, is he coaching there or is he just like a advisor and recruiter or what's his title there? He's an assistant down there. Um so and I actually have a friend of mine uh that I'm not his son played at IMG. Uh, he's a baseball player. And so when um, wasn't it Zion that went to IMG? His son was down there when Zion was down there. I'm pretty sure. So he was he was showing me all these pictures. It is insane the stuff that I saw. I mean, that's better than most colleges. Absolutely. Yeah, Trey is. I'm sorry. I was gonna say how you know we when we were talking during the last dance, we were talking about those practices. Would y'all pay admission to go watch these underground games we're hearing about with Hell yeah. with John, all these boys? Yeah, I would too. I bet it's entertaining. They said they said they'd be getting after each other, not in a like in a rude way, but like challenging each other to to bring everything they got. Well, it, it's one of those things where I feel like they're rallying each other around the city. They're saying, "Hey, we're gonna make ourselves." the best that we can be for this city because we want big things for our city. And that's, that's unbelievable. And I know they're bringing players from all over that, you know, are going to be 
pro guys, G League guys, but there's a lot of Tiger players that are in these games, a lot of Grizzlies players that are in these games that are invested in the city. And, um, you know, I wouldn't doubt it if Musa Cisse was in there playing with those guys. Yeah, you didn't see that Ja Morant dunked over the top of him. But, see, they really got me with the clickbait, though, because they said the, the headline says Ja dunks over Musa Cisse. And then I go watch it, and it's like a dunk contest. He literally was standing there and jumped over his back. So, I mean, it was still awesome to see. But I wanted to see him yam on him. Well, he, he's just waiting for him to throw on an NBA jersey. That'll, that'll happen. Ja ain't afraid to dunk over nobody. Let's talk about how in that in regards to that and them playing together because it's actually been on Twitter. Um, ja talking about it, you know, he's not actually from Memphis, but you wouldn't know any different. And he has been recruiting and pitching when he didn't even go to the University of Memphis for him to come here. I mean, so he's been advocating. Talk about a good voice that. But I will say this: uh, don't let it don't let it go under the radar that uh, they said Kennedy Chandler was giving Ja that work in a couple of those games. That's what they said. Bro, Kennedy Chandler is the truth. Well, we need we need him. So, whatever it takes. How about the fact that everybody you look at the fact that Ja Morant, you know he he he's an NBA player, so everybody thinks of him as being older. the The kid's only twenty years old. He's out there playing with kids older than him that are in college. Yeah, campaign was the elder, huh? Well, campaign's that's, like a grandpa in that group. That's. So let me ask you this: Could could Penny get out there, or Mike Miller get out there and play with those guys? Ooh, yeah, yes, yes. Now, and when I, what I'm thinking is, it's in a very small capacity. I'm not going to run and gun with you guys, but Mike Miller will sit back there and and shoot over the top of people and and pass and set himself up and open open up lanes and, and help, you know, facilitate other guys. I think Penny would do the same. But I ain't, I don't think Penny's going to go out there driving to the hole, dunking on nobody. I don't think Mike Miller's going to do anything other than, than shoot the ball. Uh, but I, I, could, I could see those guys getting out there. And, and, hell, maybe that's why Mike decided to step down. He wanted to get out there and play a little bit more. I know I know this as I was looking it up on Kenny Chandler. Uh, you know, Duke's the front runner on the crystal ball, but uh I'm pretty sure Randy knows who actually the second team in the stable is. No, uh, who uh, who is it now? Is it Memphis? No, oh, it's Tennessee. Ooh. I went look, don't say that in front of Daniel. It says it says it says on there, it says He said fuck guy. Rick Barnes. It's got multiple fuck people Rick projecting Barnes. is it possible, but it says interest level warm to hot hey so rick barnes forever he's obviously got some huge warm to hot what's that piss and that's what i think about that look man rick barnes nothing but a classy individual man you back up off that old man show some respect to your elders look and that guy how about the fact that he's recruiting better now than he ever has in his life because he's got to rick barnes shout out rick barnes uh, now you're putting Rick Barnes on a level as uh, same level Miss Knight is. Now you're oh. degrading Miss Knight. Hey, I'm a, I never, I never defend Randy, but I'm going to. I went out to his house in Oakland one time, and we watched Tennessee and Memphis play, and he he roots for the best in both of them. So I got to give him his credit. 
No doubt. Yeah, I, I put on for my city, but I, I do have a soft spot. And, and Rick Barnes is a classy guy. Rick Barnes is a dude, I'm not saying Penny's not, because I love Penny more than I love Rick. But Rick Barnes is a dude you want your son to play for. Well, Jim, before we move on to the Redbirds and the Grizzlies, just so you know, like, I'm not debating Randy's intentions and what, what quality of a guy he is. He's a great guy. But fuck Rick Barnes. <laughs> Moving on, Redbirds, all minor leagues delayed. Um, we hit on this when we talked about those kids getting drafted. I mean, I, I feel bad for those guys that are trying to work their way up to big league spots and, and they have opportunities that they can see in front of them and they're not even getting a chance to, to try to, to make a squad. So hopefully things change, but right now um, minor league is at a standstill. That brings us to the Grizz. Randy, the playoff odds for the Grizz, I mean, it's almost like a slap in the face. I will, however, like, I, I wouldn't mind throwing a few bones down on them. What do you think? No, I'm all in. I mean, look, we talked about it before. They're really set up. This is really set up. They're, they're in odds to win this. They're on, the slap in the face is that they just because a little two and zero that the Pelicans are because they got Zion and Lonzo and Ingram and all of that man listen the Grizzlies have to like shit the fucking bed to make this thing happen but you know what I want this is what I want I wanted Dane because I kept hearing him chip chirp and chirp and chirp but no 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 now. I want all the smoke with the Pelicans. I want this to be the next rivalry for the next 10 years. I want to see Jaron Jackson versus Zion Williamson, Ja Morant versus Drew Holiday. That's, this, is what I, this is what we're here for. Brandon Clark versus Brandon Ingram. And, I'm t- and we're about to talk about Brandon Clark a little later. I know we are. But I want all of it. I want the – look, and I even want the Pelicans to win the first game of that sudden death so we can just break the whole – we are going to do to New Orleans what the Vikings typically do. But, hey, let me ask you guys. Is it not ridiculous? You know, you talk about slapping the face, but it's bold, I guess is a better thing, for Vegas to put the odds like that because let's say I did want to throw some bones down on Memphis. And let's say in round one where they're supposed to lose the Lakers, LeBron comes up with Corona. I mean, there's some unpredictable stuff that could happen. And even not even Corona, just an injury in general, right? Um I just, I mean, that's ridiculous. I could lay down a hundred dollars and make millions, but that's that's stupid. I would never have anybody at that absurd of odds. How did the Brooklyn Nets? What what is that? I guess yeah, I, they're in the East, but to, to your point specifically, it's the two teams that stand out, right? It's Portland and New Orleans to have such favorable odds compared to Memphis. I mean, that doesn't make sense at all but the Brooklyn I mean I guess if, if there was still a rumor that Kevin Durant and Kyrie were coming back I could understand it but they're not we know that now so why are they not down in the you know 100,000 range but what I I guess it's just names I mean you're looking the Pelicans have the same odds as the Pacers and the Thunder of of winning a championship which don't ask me how, like maybe the Pacers, but then you have the Trailblazers and the Nets and up there like with better odds than them. So, to me – I think you've got the fifth best odds. I know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty 
I would say that's pretty fair. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would put them above the. Uh, I would, yeah, I would say that's pretty fair. Um, I, if Houston was any any higher, if their odds were any more favorable, then I might say that it's not right. But it looks pretty good. You got Milwaukee. You got LA, you got the Lakers, you got the Bucks, the Clippers, the Celtics, Rockets, Raptors, Nuggets, 76ers, Mavericks. So pretty fair, pretty fair comparison. Uh, all right, guys, around the horn. We're gonna we're gonna end it. Um, we'll, we're gonna start with you, Jim, birthday boy. What do you got to share with us tonight? All the headlines are done for our major sports. Anything you want to bring to the table, anything that you want to discuss? It doesn't have to be pro sports related. Um, what you got for us? Yeah, I got something. I'm going to keep it sports related, but I'm going to go with uh, club competitive soccer for you boys, guys. All right, so you tell me how in a 10-month <laughs> – Oh, come on, man. Let me ask you guys, in a 10-month season in which – uh, these kids play soccer, and you pay thousands of dollars, and they only played three because. Can I ask you one quick question? Hmm. Can you tie in soccer? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. Boom, boom, all right. Boom, boom. All right. So, you know what? I'm not going to do it anymore. I was just going to ask you guys what you thought about paying thousands of dollars and then only playing three months and then trying to justify saying that you got your money's worth because they started providing coaching on the internet. I think that's bullshit. All right. Okay, but you wouldn't let me discuss that, would you? Because that's my around the horn. I could have also went to Little League Baseball, which I left from earlier, and pulling out your best infielders because you want to make sure kids get playing time and it cost you the game. But I didn't go there either. But now I have. Dang. He's hot. Don't mess with his kids. He's – He's fired up. Man. Jim, you all right? Yeah, I'm turning a little red. I'm I mean, glad nobody can you're, see me. You're only one year older and you're you're acting all grumpy <laughs> and cranky and crotchety like you're you're seventy two. Well, I'll tell you this, you're gonna get to see me in less than a week and I'm bringing that with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick you out. Like I I can't. I can't deal with hey, that. Hey Randy, you'll sleep in the pool net. No, yeah. Randy, let me tell you what my around the horn should have been. Let me ask you how there wasn't a guest bedroom when I came and stayed, but there has been for everyone else who came afterwards. Why did the guest bedroom get established after I came? I uh, stayed on an air mattress in the in the gym. You know what I'm saying? DB, say it ain't so. This dude right here came a month after we moved in, and I'm sorry. My bad. Did, did, let me ask you this. No, you had a pool table and a bar and your podcast uh, table set up, but you didn't have the guest room. That was the let only me, thing that got left off. Jim, let me ask you a question. And this is uh, – I need a serious answer. I, I need you to calm down for a second and think logically about this. Take a deep breath. Right, when, you, when you came and visited, did I charge you anything to stay here? No. Okay, thank you. Moving on. Randy, Randy, around the horn, what you got for us? 
So obviously today is our beloved Jim's birthday. Happy birthday again. Shout out. Uh, this, this week though, another big birthday. My daughter, Lila, her birthday is Thursday, June 18th. She'll be 11 years old. So big day, you know, especially for little girls. So big shout out to her, but it brings me to the topic I want to bring up. It's not sports related, but it's the power of social media and how much earlier kids are exposed to social media. So Lila comes to me a couple weeks ago after in the wake of the George Floyd thing, and she has a TikTok. Most little girls do. Hell, Jim's even got a TikTok, right? So we, uh, she comes to me, and she has changed her profile picture to the Black Fist and the Black Lives Matter. Now, I thought back on how I was going to address this with her, and she had a lot of questions about it, right? Now, we're talking about a white girl that goes to a predominantly white school. So what does she know about Black Lives Matter? She's following a movement. I'm all for the movement if you're doing it for the right reasons. But what I do not want to see, what I do not want my kids doing, is following it for the sake of following. So I asked her a lot of questions about it. She asked me a lot of questions. And she really had no idea what she was doing. A lot of her friends were doing it. And, and that's all good. We want to bring awareness to the situation. I'm all for it. But I want you to stand for a cause. So if you don't know what you're protesting for and you don't know what you're standing for, then you need to do some research and you really need to get out there and do it. Now, we had a long conversation. I thought back to myself. When I was her age, what was going on? Rodney King was happening when we were very similar to that age. I do remember it happening, but do you guys remember talking about it at school? Because I sure don't. I do not remember talking about it. So our kids are exposed at a level that we never were, and it's only going to get worse from here. We can't escape it. It doesn't matter where we go. We got digital billboards on the side of the interstate. I mean, this, it's phones, it's iPads, it's commercials. It's everywhere you go. There's an iPad or some techn- – look, even DB, you're an educator, right? So everywhere they go, it's digital learning, online learning. It's only going to get more entrenched. I say all that to say this. Myself, I struggle with the disconnect. I work in an industry – that really strives on technology and never being disconnected. I'm in sales. I'm looking, I'm taking a deep look at myself and thinking I got to disconnect. If not for the sake of myself, for the sake of my family, for the sake of my sanity. And that's all I got to say on that. Very, Damn, I'm, very, glad I went before, I'm glad I went before him and not after him. Cause I wouldn't even know how to talk after that. <laughs> very, very well put. Um, yeah. I, when it comes to, Black history that's taught in schools, don't get me started, because it's a very vanilla, watered-down version of what kids should be know, learning when it comes to black history. There's, it's all the, the, the Martin Luther King and all the, the prime time players, but not a lot of the in-ground, in deep-rooted like things that happen. Like, kids need to know more and it's it's embarrassing um and i think schools and school districts and states need to be put on notice like that has to change like we we need to teach the history and it it can't be all white dudes like it because that's not that's not all there is there's, there's much more. So one, one more quick note on that. And the one part of the conversation, I'm not going to share it all because it was an intimate conversation with my daughter, but one of the things that really sh- stuck out to me and to her, cause she couldn't believe it. You know, she's talking about segregation 
and the fact that my father, her grandfather, didn't go to school with a black kid until he was in the eighth or ninth grade. Segregation happened when he was little. Like, people think in this realm of segregation was so long ago. It fucking wasn't. That's my father that went to school with all white kids and a group of black kids that he eventually was playing football with and playing sports with went to an all-black school. That's how short of a distance it was. And my daughter can't fathom that. And honestly, I can't either. I can't either. I, I was saying that the other day. It's, it's unbelievable. Like that, it, I mean, to your it, point, DB, we got to start showing the ugly side. We got to show – we got to show the shit that happened that we don't want to talk about. Like we talk about Martin Luther King and his assassination, but how often do we talk about all the other shit that happened? You know, Mississippi burning was a, like, there's just so much shit that we don't cover because you're right. It's vanilla and we're scared to hurt feelings. Fuck yeah. that. Let's talk well, about it. Well, I mean, and as, as a white male, all of us, the conversation gets to be uncomfortable and this is what I tell everybody guess what it should be it needs to be like you need to feel some uncomfort when you have these conversations because you really need to understand like the deep-rooted meanings that come from from our history and I hope that you know I I feel like this feels different Uh, this movement feels different than it has in the past. And I hope that we're, we're on the verge of of really changing the world. Um, But uh, I will go ahead and and run through my round table real quick before I get to my, my favorite NBA basketball player. Um, So um, I'll I'll start with this. This is a question that I'm going to have for both of you guys, but I'll ask Jim to answer it first. Um, true or false, Jim, could you be fired for being LGBTQ in the United States? Do you think today, up until today, could you be fired for that? I was going to say because I saw that they passed the Civil uh, Rights Act for that. So uh, before today, yes. I mean, possibly still can today. It's about whether you get away with it, but no, you're not supposed to be able to now, but before today, yes. Yeah. Uh, Randy, w- did you know that? No, I did not. I happened to work for a company that's super progressive and they're, you know, LGBTQ community and the racial injustice. So no, I, mean, no, I, I think it's insane. It's 2020. Yeah. I, I'm, I see because it's pride month, I felt, um, pulled to to say something in regards to it and then I I read this Supreme Court case that was passed today that you know and I was just I was baffled that you know up until today that your your identity you know your sexual preference however you want to label yourself like you could be fired for that like that's that's so absurd to me um but you know, I, I, today was a big day for um, for our LGBTQ, um, and I know there's plus and there's a lot of other um, identities that go with that. Um, but yeah, today's a big day, um, so I'm happy for our Pride family, our Pride community. So, hey, uh, let, shout let me out to let them. me touch on let me touch on that real quick because I know why it's uh, near and dear to you. I know I had a dear friend of mine, I'm not going to say his name, but he tried to step off in one of our Facebook posts 
and about got got by your sister. I was actually that's my boy and all, but I was kind of wanting to see if he keeps stepping a little further. Might have yeah. ended up on the ten o'clock news. No, she she don't play, and and that's not something to joke about. And on social media, if you think that's your avenue to run your mouth, like you're gonna get checked. And as bad as you think you are, there's always someone much much more bad than you. Um, so speaking of bad, I gotta get down to the 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 nitty gritty here. So we had the conversation last week about me and part of my issue with NBA is I just didn't have anybody to follow. I had a team to follow, but I just, you know, I really didn't have a player that I was just adamant for. And so you guys did a great job of, of pushing me in a few different directions. You gave me some players to, to look out for. And I, I, just want you guys to know, I believe that you took it seriously, and I actually took this very seriously. So just to, to recap, so we had Ben Adebayo, who was one of them, um, or Bam Adebayo. He's, he's not even a guy that I chose, um, and I'll, I'll get into all that. Uh, we had Brandon Clark. You had um, Ben Simmons. You had um, Tatum. You had Levine. You had De'Aaron Fox. And of those guys, I was able to narrow it down to two. And it was the two guys that you guys kept pushing and pressing and, and just like, this is the guy, this is the guy, this is your, like, the guy that personifies exactly what you're talking about. Um, so I'll give you some highlights um, from some of the criteria that I looked, looked at. So I'll start with, with Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark was Defensive Player of the Year in the West Coast Conference. That's one of the criteria that I told Randy. I want a guy that didn't have to do it offensively, a guy that was going to be the guy. He's going to shut it down. He's going to play some lockdown defense. Um, he was newcomer of the year, defensive player of the year. Um, and because of that, like, he really separated himself as one of the finalists for my favorite player. He also, and, and this right here is, is something I read and I was like, I was kind of blown away. It said he became the third player in the NCAA tournament to record a game of 35 points, five blocks, joining only Shaq and David Robinson to do that. So when oh. you put, put his name in a category with those two players, that's, that's pretty, pretty legit. So then on the other side, you had, you had Tatum. And Jim, he pushed Tatum as, as hard as he could. And one of the things that I liked about Tatum is I could relate to him. Like I, I could see a lot of what I liked about him 
um, in me. And one of the things that really like I liked about him is it said that, you know, his his dad played college basketball, but was also a gym teacher and a coach, which is both things that I've been a gym teacher and a coach. So um, on top of being an unbelievable basketball player, like when you break it down even further into the home life, like I could relate to that. And when you pick a favorite player, it's someone you've got to be able to relate to. Um, and then Jim sent me a video of him crossing over Paul George, and it, it was it was pretty sick. I'm not going to lie. And Jim claimed that that was the, the dagger, the dagger in this. Um, but when I put all the pieces together and narrowed it all down, I didn't go with, with Tatum. I went with Brandon Clark. And the, the reason being is because um, there were more things that I could appreciate with Brandon Clark than with Tatum. And I feel more obligated to root for someone that I, that plays for my team. Like it's, it's just that simple. Like when you play for my team, like I'm going to go purchase a ticket if you're anywhere close. I don't necessarily think if the Celtics come down to Orlando, I'm going to drive, you know, an hour and a half to go watch them play. I might try to catch it on TV, but if my favorite player plays for the Grizzlies, which is my favorite team, they come down to Orlando, I'm, I'm going to be very serious about going to get a ticket. So, Randy, I appreciate it. You, you swayed me in the right direction. I'm not only a Grizz fan, but I am a Brandon Clark fan. He's now my new favorite player. So I'm not ever a Jersey guy, but I'll definitely, you know, rock his number and rock the fact that when he's in the game, Sideshow Bob or whoever you want to call him, like I'm going to, I'm going to be all about him. So are you a Jersey guy? You know, uh, the... yeah, yeah, I am. Okay. Um, I still have my, my, my Tony Allen Jersey. So all heart, grit, grind. That's right, baby. That's right. So as we close out, let's talk about our, our next episode, gentlemen. Um, we got, we're going to do something a little different. Um, I think we're at a point now where we're, we're up to date with all the sports. We did headlines this week, but we had a conversation through text about sports movies. Um, and Jim felt very moved and, and, and very, very adamant about having the conversation of, our, of the top four, top five all-time sports movies. And um, there's a shit ton. And the more that I, I think past that conversation, the more it comes to mind. But I, I have a couple that, I mean, they're my favorites. And I, I don't know if they'll be on y'all's list, but they're, they're definitely some, some really good ones. So next week, you guys tune in. We're going we're gonna to break it down. Uh, we might do a draft style. We might just throw them out there and, and debate and discuss. So for episode nine of the headlines, this is Enough the Bench. We are out.